0: Hello, and welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Here you can find all our weekly messages. We trust that God will speak to you today. Enjoy the message. Hey, church family. Good morning, and happy Sunday to all of our locations. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Mike. My wife Ashton and I moved here to Raleigh 10 years ago to plant this church, and now you are a part of a dream come true, and we'd love to share a little bit more about our story at a party with the pastor today following our service. If you haven't rsvp that's okay. We have uh, free childcare and free food, and we just wanna say welcome home. And if you're here for the first time, we are especially glad that you're here. At all of our locations, let's clap our hands for our first time guest today. Hey, if you'll do us one favor, that is to grab the purple U-card on the seat around you, fill it out take it to party with the pastors today. We'd love just to say hello and welcome home. You are in for a very special treat this weekend before Mother's Day. My own brother, Anthony Santiago, a fully appointed Assemblies of God missionary to Spain, is going to be bringing God's Word. He is a man of God, a teacher of the Word, and you are going to be richly blessed today. So at all of our locations, let's put our hands together for Pastor Anthony Santiago.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Some people are standing. Um, I paid them $20 to do that introduction, so make sure you tithe a little bit more this week. But thank you so much, Focus Church, for welcoming in. Can we just give it up for the Lord's presence in this place this morning? Wow. Singing about the resurrection power of Jesus just rings so well to my soul. It's amazing what God can do in this place when our faith is united. Amen. It is such an honor to be filling in for my brother today. I have so much I want to say about him to make up for all of the jokes he's made about me my whole life. And uh, nevertheless, it, it is, I'm grateful to be here. He is a, a great Uh, older brother, just a true example, a true model of what it means to not just follow Christ, but to be in ministry for him. So I'm very grateful for him. Yesterday we were playing golf. We've been playing golf the last three days. My little brother came in first place. I came in second, and that leaves Pastor Mike, you know, in the distant last place. So be praying for him. He needs some counseling and some therapy right now. But uh, only a few arguments we had, only a few clubs that were thrown. Other than that, we had a great time. And during our last outing, we were waiting on the people in front of us to finish up the golf hole and uh, I looked in the sky and there were two birds flying next to each other and one was pecking the other and I'm not a bird watcher if you are I'm sorry I don't know the name of this bird but it was a small bird maybe the size of a blue jay and it kept pecking at this vulture kept poking him in the side poking him in the eye and it's, it was interesting because its wingspan was, what, was much smaller. Its beak was much smaller. But this bird kept attacking this vulture. I wasn't sure if maybe he had stolen his lunch or something. And as I was looking at that bird and just seeing him have no, you know, no fear of anything in front of him, it made me think about my brother. It made me think about Pastor Mike. And I want you to know that you serve under a pastor that has no fear of what's in front of him. You serve a pastor who understands that he who is in him is greater than he that is in the world. And that no matter what problems, no matter what difficulties, no matter what challenges are in front of him, he is going to do anything and everything in the power of Jesus to go for it and to attack it. And so if you're wondering, should I be a part of this church? Should I be under this leadership? I want you to know this is a church that's focused on the future. This is a church that sees problems as opportunities. This is a church that sees difficulties as as, a, as something to be... Um, to, to, to take hold of and to pursue. So I just love your pastor. I love my brother. And it's such an honor to be here this morning. Are you excited to be in the Lord's house? Awesome. Well, as Pastor Michael mentioned, my family and I have recently been approved to be Assembly of God world missionaries. And so uh, we're very excited. We're very thrilled. We are at the very beginning stages of it all. But in the same way that he planted this church called Focus Church, we are looking to plant a church in the future in uh, Alicante, Spain. Has anyone been to Spain before? Wow, okay, a few of you. Anyone been to Europe before? All right, world travelers, look at that. So uh, there's a quick video I would like to share with you all that will just give a little bit of a better picture of what we'll be doing
0: in Spain, so check it out. Come to Alicante. God's opened new doors for us in Spain. You need to be a part of what God is doing here. There are opportunities,
1: things that people are excited about, different ways in which they can live out the call of God on their life. Um, by living here, by moving here, by coming here on a short-term trip, a missions trip like the one in October. There's just so many aspects that we're excited about. It is a city that has no international church. It is full of expats, full of immigrants, full of people that need to hear the gospel, but there is no international church. And so my wife and I feel led by the Holy
0: Spirit to move our family here and to plant this church. Global Passion has got a new opportunity to open a leadership school that will run three, four, six months. We've got needs for teams to come this direction to help with the International Church Plant as well as Cristo Vive. There's so much to do, so much opportunity, and I believe God is gonna use Alicante to literally affect all of Southern Europe and Northern Africa. Revival is breaking into this country, into Spain, and this is something that's burned our heart for our valley, and to think that God has already joined our church's heart with the country of Spain specifically with this city and that he's already been on the move here and that we get to partner with that I just think is incredible. There will be testimonies of God's faithfulness here that people will learn who Christ is and they will follow him and tell their friends. We expect to see miracles, healings, lives change, families reunited. So I just want to thank you for praying for us and to ask you to keep praying for us. There's something big that's happening here and you need to be a part of it. So come with us to Alicante Spain. Awesome.
1: So let's give it up for what God is doing across the world. Amen. So we are super thrilled to be doing this. And the various people that you saw are just other churches, other churches and other pastors who are wanting to fund this project. And so we are just so honored to be going as missionaries and know that when you give uh, here at Focus Church, there is a portion of that that goes to funding projects like this all over the world. I guess not many of you give because not many of you are really excited about that. But it's pretty cool that you're giving and when you're tithing and your, your generosity is affecting beyond the four walls of this church, beyond the borders of this country. It's going into places that desperately need to hear the gospel. So give it up for you guys. You guys are changing the world. So thank you. And my family and I, as you'll see in this photo, we've got uh, two little daughters and uh, my wife, and we're super excited to to be traveling to Spain and they'll be leaving their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, their cousins, but nevertheless, we are just thrilled um, that we feel like we're in the center of God's will and uh, we just feel very, very fortunate to be able to do that. Pray for our daughters. They need Jesus desperately. Um, Neither one of them are saved, so they keep biting and stealing each other's toys, not sleeping through the night, so pray for a miracle in my household. Some of you guys are taking me way too seriously right now. (laughs) But nevertheless, uh, our youngest has a birthday tomorrow, so I'll be heading back to to Florida is where we reside right now. But do you have your Bible this morning? All right, turn to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 4, 2 Samuel, chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I'll provide a little bit of context. Um, The nation of Israel, uh, the Jewish nation, is in battle with another nation called the Philistines at the time. And as they are in battle, there are two prominent leaders of Israel that get killed. Uh, One is named Saul, formerly known as King Saul, and the other is Jonathan, Saul's son. So these men, these leaders get killed. Now Jonathan has a son who is five years old, obviously not old enough for battle. So he leaves him at home in Israel with this nurse to be taken care of. And even though he's five years old, the Bible has just a snippet, a short little story about this character named Mephibosheth. So we're gonna read his story in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. Say it louder. Say, I'm there. there. All right, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. The news about their death came from Jezreel. And his nurse, this boy's, who is uh, being taken care of by this nurse, this nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. In her haste, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Can you say Mephibosheth? Can you say that again? If you say that six times, it will guarantee you speak in tongues one day. So, Here we have a situation, a story, where this nurse is taking care of this boy named Mephibosheth. And she's very well-meaning, very trying to be as careful as she can. As soon as she hears that his father has died at battle... She quickly thinks, okay, because the enemy has killed his father, they are going to come and kill his lineage as well. They're going to come and kill his son as well. And that's a pretty sad reality. That's how brutal war was back then. And the reality is that the enemy of our day tends to do the same thing, right? He doesn't just come after us. He wants to come after your children and your children's children. That's the enemy of our day. So a very well-meaning nurse, very, very good person. She picks him up, the Bible says, and in her haste, in a hurry, she accidentally drops him. And Mephibosheth becomes crippled, becomes lame for the rest of his life. Let's pray and conclude the service. Just kidding. That is not the end of Mephibosheth's story, thankfully. But I've titled this message this morning, as I think about his story, as I think about the nurse that picked him up, I've titled this message Get a Grip. Get a grip. Turn to your neighbor and tell him get a grip. Get a grip on yourself. Normally I would you would use that phrase when someone is emotionally out of control or when my older brother is throwing his club into the woods after a poor tee shot, you would say that phrase, get a grip. But in this sense, I mean it literally. This nurse did not have the best grip on this boy Mephibosheth, and in a hurry, and a rush, she tried to pick him up and ended up dropping him, and he became crippled for the rest of his life. Have you ever dropped something of value before? Has anyone dropped a cell phone before? You know that feeling, you drop a phone and then you pray for about five minutes before you turn it over, just to make sure it didn't crack the screen, right? Maybe you've seen a witness or you've witnessed a um, maybe a server or a waiter drop a tray of drinks. You know, Don't judge them too much. Those trays are heavy, okay? But I don't know if you've ever dropped something of value before. One time in Spain, which is where my, my family and I grew up, um, I was a newlywed, and I was playing with my wedding ring. Oh, no, the lady says. <laughs> I was playing with the wedding ring, throwing it up and down, and I wasn't really used to wearing a ring, and so... I'm just kind of flicking it up in the air, just, you know, messing around with it after church. And we're at the street, and in the center of the street, there's the Spanish sewer system. And um, I'm throwing the ring up and down. The Spanish sewer system have a, has a hole that big. I'm not, not exaggerating. It's literally that size, Pastor Michael. It's, it's nothing bigger than a couple inches. And I throw this ring up in the air, and I go to catch the ring, and it falls right through my hands. And I'm telling you, it was like slow motion. This ring came down and down and down, didn't touch the sides, and it went right through that little small Spanish drain. My wife was standing right next to me. And so we're newlyweds, getting to know her a little bit, and this is a moment. This is a moment where I'm gonna think to myself, okay, what is she gonna do? You know, just prepare yourself, brace yourself. And I look at her, Kind of give her some raised eyebrows. And she says, it's okay. It was the $10 one from Amazon. It's all right. Hers was not $10, by the way. Mine was. But I don't know if you've ever dropped something of value before. I certainly have. And the story that we read today, we read something of much more value than a ring or than a cup or than a cell phone. We read about a five-year-old's life. We read about a life where a nurse picks up a boy, and in her haste, in her hurry, she accidentally drops the boy, and he becomes crippled forever. Now, I'm not sure how you came in this morning, and I'm not sure how you view this narrative of Scripture, but I see it as a portal to what the gospel is for us. You see, the reality is is that Mephibosheth's life does not end with him being crippled crippled with him being dropped by a nurse. But I would encourage you to look at 2 Samuel chapter 9. In his adult life later, King David comes and he says, is there anyone else in Jonathan's family? Is there anyone else in Jonathan's lineage that I can bless, that I can protect? And they come to him and say, well, you know what? There is this kid. There there is this boy that was dropped. He's an adult now. His name's Mephibosheth, but he's crippled. He's out in a foreign land. He's of really no value to us. He's of no value to society because he can't walk. He can't work. It's going to be difficult for him to survive. He is of no value. He has been dropped. King David says, go get him. Bring him into my palace. I'm going to restore to him the land that was his father's. Bring him into my palace. He's going to eat with me every single day that he wants to. He's going to sit at the king's table. He is going to eat with me. That is the picture of the gospel. Though we have been dropped, Jesus comes and restores us. Though we live in a fallen world, Jesus comes and restores her. We've all been dropped. We've all been let go. We've all been wounded. We've all been betrayed. Maybe you've been dropped by a parent, by a father, by a mother. They left you, they left your family. They spoke negatively over you. We've all been dropped. Maybe you've been dropped by a spouse. Maybe they left you. Maybe they didn't meet your marital expectations. Maybe you've been dropped by a boss, by a friend, maybe by a pastor or a spiritual leader. I want you to know that though you have been dropped, though you have been wounded, though you have been permanently crippled, God is here to restore you this morning. I said God is here to restore you this morning. You see D- King David serves as a type of Christ in the Old Testament. He is someone who is resurrecting the life of Mephibosheth. You may have been dropped. You may have been wounded, but this is not the end of your story. And That's what I love about this church is that they believe in your healing. They believe in your future. They believe, though, that you've walked and dropped, you will leave out if you're healed. Amen. Though you've, been walk, you've walked in here lost, you will walk out if you're found. That is the beauty of our God. Amen. Amen. As I said, we live in a fallen world. So maybe you've been dropped by someone else. Certainly you've been dropped by yourself. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fallen. We've all been dropped Because of our sin, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. The reality is this, my friends, whether we look at this nurse in the Old Testament, whether we look at ourselves in the mirror, or whether we look at Romans 3, humanity does not hold herself very well. I hate to break it to you. I know you try to motivate yourself and try to do things of yourselves, by yourselves, and for yourselves, but the reality is humanity will fail you humanity will drop you. The stock market will drop you. Your drugs will drop you. Your addiction will drop you. Your sports addiction, guilty as charged, will drop you. And when all else fails, when you feel the wounds, when you feel the brokenness, when you feel like you were in the care of a nurse, when you feel like you were in safety, you'll realize that this world does not have a safe place to land. And that the world is frail. Her hands are not strong enough to save you. But there is a God whose hand is not short to save. There is a God who will never leave you, nor forsake you. There is a God who will reach out and pull you out of the muck and the mire and say, I don't know who dropped you here. I don't know what happened. I don't know what sin you got into. But he will pull you out of the muck and the mire and put you on the solid rock that is Christ Jesus. Amen. So what is your life gripped by today? Is it gripped by fear, anxiety, depression, sin? Let me tell you, the things of this world will fail you. May I encourage you, church, to be gripped by the love of God in Christ Jesus. Be gripped by his word, be gripped by his spirit, be gripped by his mission on the earth, be gripped by his purpose for your life. There is a better grip for your life this morning. There is a better grip for your life. Many years ago, I was eating lunch with a a former member, I should say, of of the church here. And we're eating, and I thought everything was going fine. He was paying for the lunch, so I'm cool. I'm happy. I'm eating food. And all of a sudden, he puts his fork down and he says, Man, I got to tell you something. And I said, Oh boy, here we go. Um, And he said, Dude, I love your brother, talking about Pastor Mike. He's like, I love Pastor Mike. And anytime you got to start a sentence with, I love this person, just some word of advice, just stop there. If you really love them, just go ahead and stop the sentence. You don't got to follow it up with anything. That's the best thing you can say about the person. But he had this sentence after the sentence, and he said, man, I love Pastor Mike. I love your brother. But boy, does he got some maturing to do. And as I'm eating there my food, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't have a backbone at the time to tell him what I really wanted to tell him, but it's been some years now and I've had some time to think about it. And if I could go back in time, I would put my fork down and tell him, we've all got maturing to do, my brother. We're all on a journey. We're all on this progression towards holiness. We're all journeying towards the things of God. And when, it ta- when we talk about getting a grip on God or God getting a grip on us, it's one thing for God to get a grip on you, and it's another thing, it is a maturing thing for you to get a grip on God. And that's where we've got to get to as a church, is we have to realize, yes, we've been lost and now we've been found. Yes, we were wounded and now we've been healed. We have been gripped by God when society or ourselves have dropped us. But it's another thing as you journey with Christ, as you mature with Christ, to get a grip on God and the things of God. James 4.8 says it this way, draw near to God, get a grip on God, and he will draw near to you. He will get a grip on you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let's get a grip on God as he gets a grip on us. That is maturity. Amen? And I just have three quick points about getting a grip on God. And we'll start with this one. Get a grip individually. Get a grip individually. It must start with you, church. It must start with your decision to get a grip on God. You may have a family that loves God. But do you? Have you made your personal decision to follow Jesus you see, where we grew up in Spain, it's very common for the elderly especially to identify themselves as Catholic. There was a dictator in Spain by the name of Francisco Franco, and he made all of Spain to be Catholic. And to this day, if you, especially if you talk to the elderly people, they remember the days of Francisco Franco. He was the equivalent of a poor man's Hitler. He created many concentration camps, They say that he is responsible to upwards of 400,000 deaths in the country of Spain. He would marginalize and persecute Protestant Christianity, what we understand uh, to be Christianity today. Under his leadership, he was very brutal, very harsh, very demanding. And under his leadership, you could say this, Spain was dropped as a nation spain was dropped as a nation to the point that when you talk to a spaniard today especially that of the elderly generation and you ask them what is your religious affiliation they will often say well i'm spanish so that means i'm catholic he caused them to think so differently about religion that just because they were spanish they, that they would think that they were automatically Catholic. That was their understanding of religion. That was their understanding of God with no understanding that they have to make a personal decision to follow Jesus. That was the case for many Spaniards, but I believe that's the case for many of us today. Though you were born into a Christian family, that does not make you a Christian. Though you were born in the Southeast United States and you pass by 30 churches on your way to work, that does not mean you're a Christian. Though you say the little prayer on the billboard, that does not necessarily make you a Christian. Though you attend church, that does not necessarily mean you are a Christian. We have to make an individual decision. We have to get an individual grip on God. Amen? Jesus was dealing with the same thing in his day and age when he was among the Jewish people, especially that of the Pharisees. They associated their closeness and their grip on God based on their race, based on the lineage they came from. And Jesus addresses this in Matthew 3, 9, and he says this, "'Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father.'" Do not presume to say to yourselves, my family is a Christian, or my country is Christian. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. In other words, you have to make an individual decision to get a grip on God. Amen? So let's get a grip on God individually. Number two, let's get a grip on God generationally. The reality is when you make a personal decision to follow Jesus, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects your family. The book of Acts often talks about how when someone got saved, it wouldn't just be them, but it would be them and their household. This person and their household would get saved and get baptized. That's the beautiful thing about getting a grip on God is that it affects your family. And I'm here to speak life into your family this morning. If you have a son or if you have a daughter that is wandering off from God, don't give up on them they are not out of his reach. They are not out of his grip. They are not out of his hand. Though they may have been dropped, though they may have been wounded, keep praying, keep pursuing, keep proclaiming the goodness of God on their life. For God's hand is not short that it cannot save. Amen. Even in 2 Samuel 9, as I would would encourage you to go read it, King David says, is there anyone else in Jonathan's family that I can bless? Is there anyone else in Jonathan's lineage that I can go and rescue? Because he didn't just want the relationship with Jonathan, he wanted the relationship with Jonathan's son. He wanted the relationship with Jonathan's family. And God doesn't just want a relationship with you, he wants a relationship with your family. He wants a relationship with your son, with your daughter, with your grandson, with your daughter, with your cousins, with your aunts, with your uncles. He wants a relationship with all of them. And his grace is so good that you aren't just the right person for him, but your whole family is. I know you think your family's crazy, but his grace is big enough for them too. I'm telling you, my brother is saved, all right? I have a huge witness of this. The reality is God's grace is available, not just for you, but for your family. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 1.5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your mother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. I am reminded, Timothy, of that grip on God that was first in your grandmother and then in your mother, and that grip on God is now on you as well. Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. His hand is long enough to reach your family, church. His hand is long enough to reach your family. My family and I, for a season of time, had the great privilege of ministering together in Madrid, Spain, where my father pastored for many years. And where we're planting the church is not in Madrid. It's on the coast of Spain, but a very similar ministry we hope to set up. But there was a time where all three generations were there preaching, and it was just a a beautiful picture of what it meant for God to get a grip, not just on an individual, but on a family. So may I encourage you this morning to keep praying for your sons, keep praying for your daughters, keep praying for your family. God's grace is available for them this morning. Amen? Psalm 78, 4, we will not hide them, the works of God, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. If you want, to get, if you want God to get a grip on your family, talk about the goodness of God in your family. Talk about it at lunch. Talk about it at family gatherings. Just tell them the stories about the faithfulness, the goodness, the grace, the grip of God on your life. May they hear about that, amen? Thirdly, let's get a grip globally. Let's get a grip globally. As we mature in our walk with Christ and we understand that God gets a grip on us as an individual, he gets a grip on us as a family, we get a grip on him, we begin to realize that his grip isn't just for North Americans, amen? His grip is not just for us and our family, but he has much more work to do in the world in which we live. And the primary agency in which God gets a grip on the rest of the world is through his local church. Look around. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus on the earth. What King David was to Mephibosheth, what Jesus has been to your soul, in rescuing you and picking you up, the local church now is for the world in which we live. We have the great privilege and the opportunity to get a grip on those outside of the four walls of this church. How many of you know of a Mephibosheth that needs the healing touch of Jesus this morning? How many of you know of people at your work in your neighborhood that need someone to go and invite them into your home, that need to get a hold of them, that need to rescue them, that need to grab them? and to say, come into the family of God. Come experience healing. Come experience wholeness. Jesus says this in John ten sixteen. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I have other sheep that are not in my grip yet. I have other sheep that are not here yet. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Mephibosheth may have been dropped, but King David restored him. Spain may have been dropped, but King Jesus will restore her. Raleigh may have been dropped, but King Jesus will restore her. Jesus continues in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Watch this. No one, will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Get a grip, get a grip. He's got a grip on you. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This morning, God's grip is available for you today. I'm not saying that you can lose your salvation, but what I will say, it's harder for you to get away than it is for him to get a grip on your life. God's grip on your life is secure. It is steadfast, it is unhinging. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not sure what has dropped you recently, whether it was the stock market, whether it was a a parent, whether it was a teacher, whether it was yourself, and you feel wounded, you feel broken, you feel like you are in a desolate land, separated from God, and Jesus has come and he has said to us through his word, my sheep hear my voice, they will follow me. The father has given them to my hands and they will never, ever perish. He will never leave you nor forsake you. What is your life gripped by this morning? Is it gripped by fear, anxiety, lust, depression, sin, addiction, let me tell you the things of this world will drop you. They will fail you. They will let you go. They will wound you. May I encourage you this morning to feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit of the Father, to feel the drawing of his presence and to say, Lord, I wanna walk out of fear in your hands. I wanna walk out of fear in your grip. I want to walk out of here in your commitment, in your faithfulness, in the hands that will never leave you nor forsake you, where no accidents take place, where there is eternal security. That is the goodness of our God. That is where we need to place our life. Amen. Amen. May we pray together. Father, we thank you for your supernatural grip on this church, God. There are people and there are stories, there are testimonies of your grip of your faithfulness god of holding on to souls for the rest of their life god where they are in your presence as we heard today in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are treasures forevermore that is what is available to us in your hand may we be gripped by you god and no one else may we be gripped by your love and nothing else we let go of the things of this world, the things that will fail us, the things that will drop us, the things that will, that will let us go. We release that today, God, and we come into the Father's arms and we say, hold us, Jesus, hold us, make us more like you. And as we begin to be gripped by you, God, we say, grip this world through us. May we reach this world, Father, by your love and by your mercy. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Can we give it up for God's word this morning?
0: Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. This ministry is made possible because of the generosity of many people just like you. To partner with us, you can click the link in our description or visit www.give2focus.com. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe now and share it with a friend. For more inspirational content, subscribe to our YouTube channel www.youtube.com slash focuschurch Join us next week for another incredible message.